Hey, and welcome to the Tesla Owners Club Ontario podcast. My name's Josh, and I've got someone super special here for the inaugural episode of our podcast. Tell me who you are. John Dixon. And John is actually the, are you the CEO of the Tesla Owners Club of Ontario? <laughs> are you the, uh, the Trump? Oh. We're, we're, we're not for profit. So yes, I'm the founder and the president of the Tesla Owners Club of Ontario. And so here's how this whole thing started. It's kind of, it's kind of awesome. It's kind of cool. And it's like, I'm a, I'm a podcaster, you know, as a hobbyist, I love doing it. And I have another podcast. I decided one day, John had emailed the whole club because I'm part of the club, uh, partly because there, here's why I joined the club. I know you don't know this. I joined the club because we get Chatamo adapters when we go on long road trips. And I think you get them for free if you're part of the club, right? Absolutely. For two weeks or something like that. Yep. I was like, that's cool. Pay 50 bucks a year. You get a charger that probably costs you $100 to rent for whatever reason or $600 to buy. So that was my draw. But then I was like, I started looking at the content and seeing what they're all about and the sponsorships and everything you guys have. And you were legit. So tell me a little bit about the Tesla Owners Club before we get onto why we're here and what we're doing. Sure, Josh. Well, first of all, quick about myself. Uh, I've been driving the Teslas since December 2012, so over seven years now. And I've had every model of Tesla, sometimes two Teslas at a time, which is a bit ridiculous. I'm sure your wife but, loves that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm waiting. I just sold my Model X. I'm renting a three uh, temporarily while I wait for my new Model X. But I started uh, this club unofficially, if you will, because there was no owner's program back in about February or March of 2013. And uh, there's a teslamotorsclub.com, uh, uh, which is a forum that a lot of people were going on back in the early days. And they still, it's very popular. And I found other Canadians on there. And we talked back and forth. And I said, hey, do you guys want to get together and have a bit of a uh, discussion about our cars and, yep. and learn more about our cars and, and the community? And uh, that's what happened. And our first meeting, I think, was in March of 13. There was maybe a dozen or 15 guys there. I think only three or four of us had our cars. The rest were waiting for their, their new Model S. And that's how it went. And then I reached out to Tesla um, early to mid-14 and just asked if they were considering having an owner's club program. And I guess they were. And they put me in uh, touch with somebody that they were in the very early stages of looking at an owner's club program. And they actually gave me a, uh, an early look at what that program would look like and asked for some input, which mm -hmm. was great. Uh, I just looked this up today, found some old emails, and we became an official club uh, with uh, Tesla Worldwide on uh, in December of 2015. We were probably so, the first. So you're an official. You were officially allowed to be a Tesla. Like you are. Yep. Like how do you like? You can you see behind me, the, Elon. The, the, how does it work? Well, I don't. I don't <laughs> know if he, we're blessed by he, Elon. I'm sure he's aware <laughs> of us now. But we just grown since then. Uh, I won't bore you with all the stories now. We'll maybe get into more down the road. But I'll just to give you an idea. We now have in the neighborhood of uh, 595. Uh, dues paying members. We have about 12 or 14 sponsors, as you mentioned on on, yep. the, uh, on board that we'd like to think give some value to our members and lots of social functions and regular meetings. And we're going to talk more about that uh, yep. as we go on here. Part of this podcast. And just so you're not confused, this isn't a official Tesla podcast. Yeah. What we're trying to do is basically trying to enhance what's offered to the Tesla community. So John has been driving one basically is one of the f first adopters, right? You're one of the first. Yeah, definitely the first, uh, one of the first uh, Model S owners. There's a few pioneers before me uh, in Canada, and of course, across the world that had roadsters. Mm -hmm. So we have some members in our club that had the roadsters back in the day, wow. uh, 08, 09, 2010. And um, 
Yeah. So hopefully I can bring a different perspective and, yeah. and uh, we have some interesting connections and uh, both in the Tesla world and outside the Tesla world that we think can bring some interesting content uh, to this podcast. Well, and that, that's good because how do we separate ourselves from the million and a half other podcasts out there that are about Tesla? I think the last week I've seen two podcasts in another club start. This yep. is happening. Yep. People are interested <clears throat> in its content that I'm looking at, that I'm, I'm listening to in the podcast. And there's a lot of great ones out there. So what are we going to do differently? What are we going to try to achieve on this podcast and the YouTube channel okay. that we're trying to start? Well, here's my thoughts. And obviously I had a little bit of trepidation about doing this because yeah. I'm a, you know, a bit more visible in, in the public eye in the Tesla world. There's lots of good podcasts out there. You know, you have Tesla owners online. You have Ryan McCaffrey with Ride the Lightning. Uh, you've got some new ones, as you talked about, and they're all great in their own uh, way, shape or form. But what we want to do is not just spend hours talking about all the other information that everyone's talking about. Yes, we'll touch on the Model Y's coming out. Yes, we'll touch on the price of the stock and and SpaceX because mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of a test related, uh, you know, their latest mission and things like that. But we're not yeah. going to spend tons of time because frankly, if you're listening to or watching a podcast like this, you already know most of this stuff. Yeah. It's all over Facebook. It's all over yeah. the internet. It's everywhere. So we th- hopefully are going to have interviews with other Tesla owners. A lot of people maybe from the club that have a different perspective of things. Yep. Somebody brand new, what did they go through their thought process to buy a Tesla? Yep. Somebody like myself that's on their seventh or eighth Tesla and, and, and why? Yep. Um, you know, maybe, uh, as I said, I can't promise this, but we have an opportunity perhaps to have some people from Tesla themselves come to our meetings and who knows, maybe we could have them as a part of this podcast. So yep. um, that that's my thought. And I think that you and I agreed on that. And, um, you know, lots of other perspectives. I've actually got some notes somewhere here, but but we'll certainly look at that. And uh, I know you wanted me to talk about leasing and a whole bunch of other cool things that we think are different uh, that maybe not other people are hearing about. Speaking of different, that's why this, I think that's how we're going to do this differently. So our podcast isn't going to be, you know, for those who don't like listening to 90 minute podcasts, it's not going to be that. We're going to try to get to the point and stay interesting and, and, and give you the, the just squeeze that content out of everything we're talking about. And we're going to partition it into different parts of the episode. So this and this part, we're going to talk about this and it's going to be like 10 minutes or this part, we're going to talk about this or some weeks we might have not lots to talk, but we want to just give you a quick update on what's going on. There not, there's no rules. I'm not going to say we're doing this weekly. I'm not going to right. say. And to be transparent, we're not going to be posting our referral codes and we're not going to be endorsing products. It's all for Tesla owners and enthusiasts to uh, learn more about the product. We might be doing the odd feature on a sponsor of the club, not necessarily to to feature them, although it'll be indirect about their product, but about what they do. So we have sponsors that uh, do uh, PPF and and Tint. We have uh, a couple of financial sponsors, believe it or not, that involve investing. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of official body shops, et cetera. And I also think, I can't promise any of this, but certainly in the back of my mind that we can bring some of the other Tesla clubs all across the world. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be great to have a five or 10 minute conversation with the uh, people in Alberta mm-hmm. and in BC and in Saskatchewan. You know, now we've got the, uh, the <laughs> Newfoundland. Exactly. What happens when you get 10 feet of snow? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, we now have the supercharger network right across Canada yeah. and they can give us perspective on that. And uh, why not talk to the clubs in Norway and, mm-hmm. and uh, the UK and Australia and New Zealand? And we know all these people, but they can give us a different perspective of what's going on there, which I personally think, and we'll soon find out. Yeah. That, but if uh, members and owners and prospective owners will find that interesting. Yeah. And, and I just want to add that we also know that in the early days, it's going to be mostly uh, current Tesla owners are going to mm-hmm. watch us and hear us. Yeah. But we want this to be appealed to everybody, prospective yeah. Tesla owners, somebody that hasn't really thought too much about it or is now starting to do their research, uh, a new Tesla owner, an experienced Tesla owner. It needs to Let's be for everybody. Let's bring on somebody who thinks uh, EV vehicles are the dumbest thing on earth. Yeah. Why not debate maybe, and have great conversations maybe. with people? Maybe we'll open up minds. Yeah. My, I think another end goal would be to you know, promote Teslas. Every time someone at my work sees me pull up my Tesla, I'm the only one, I'm, I work with a Tesla, by the way, 
as soon as someone sees me pull up, it's like questions like, whoa, yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. like, let's take you for, a, I will take anybody for a drive and let them drive my car because I, I am a believer in this tech. I'm a believer in, I think we're, we differ in why we bought the car and we'll get into that in a minute, but um, I love this car. Like it's, I have to drive an hour and 10 minutes in the morning to get to work and an hour and 10 minutes to get home and I don't even dread it. It's like my favorite time of the day. Yeah. So if you, I think if you look at the, the overall, I know there's, there's no metrics for this, but if you took a hundred Tesla owners and a hundred, let's say mid-level high range car owners, I guarantee it's going to be Tesla owners are going to be like, I'm never going to go back. Yeah, Josh, did you see that article back in the fall where I think it was Bloomberg did a survey of a like 5,000 Model 3 owners and 99.6% said they would definitely buy another Tesla. Yeah, that's that's unheard of in the auto industry. Absolutely. You're seven Teslas in. I would never buy another vehicle other than a Tesla, certainly not uh, any other vehicle than an electric vehicle. We might talk about Rivian. We We might talk about- We are pro EV all the way, no matter what. But Tesla is our passion. And frankly, I'm going to throw this out there. Maybe we'll talk about climate change. Maybe we're going to talk about- uh, carbon footprint. I, yeah. I don't know because I'm I'm becoming more educated about some of these things uh, just with my connection with the Tesla Owners Club. Well, that's so. part of it. I mean, yeah. part of this part of this big push, especially in California, is you got a lot of uh, yogurt and granola. <laughs> to say this, you got a lot of people who are interested in the environment, not who, just in California. I know, my friend. but it's Cal- if you think we're going to convert you, Josh. Yeah, don't you worry about it. So as an inaugural episode, one of the things that, like I just told you, when I pull up at work and somebody looks at my car, it is great because people are like, they're interested. They, they come over, they look at it, and I'm, I'm happy to talk for hours. I could talk for hours about this car because I'm the type of person that before I buy some kind of big tech piece of equipment, and I'm very techy. I have cameras galore. I have microphones. I do production for a living, right? I do tons of research before I do anything. And the Tesla I've been researching for years, and it was just a, it was a pipe dream for me for the longest time. But... I always, ha- I always had those questions. And if you go into the Facebook uh, clubs, they're all over. There's so many Facebook clubs, social media, and like forums. And they're and all we, asking we have the one same of them. We have a group that's sort yeah. of part of our club, but yeah. Mm-hmm. What's, so John, tell me from your perspective, you've been in this game a lot longer than I have. What are some of the main questions that we've had? I think the thing is that... Um, we get asked, we get different, there's different questions. You get questions from people that know nothing about Tesla. Yeah. You get asked questions about people that know a little bit about Tesla and you get asked or have statements made to you by people that are skeptical about Tesla yes. or electric cars. So, yeah. you know, the most common ones are, you know, how far can you go on a charge? Yeah. Um, how much does it cost to charge your car? Uh, what happens if you need a charge and there's no charger around? Uh, you know, is it, it's hundred percent electric? Really? Isn't it a hybrid too? I mean, those questions aren't as common as they used to be. I mean, can you imagine back in the mm-hmm. day, driving this time of year in 2012, 2013 in a Tesla? Yeah. Nobody heard of it. They thought it was some concept car or show car. Oh, some, I remember seeing some, a CBC episode where yeah. they brought it to a mechanic and he's like, can you ch- check the oil? And he opens it and he sees yeah. the front. And he's yeah. like, I have no idea. What is this? Yeah. So it's not as much as it used to be, but so let's quickly talk about that. How far can you drive? Well, it depends on which Tesla you get, but it's right. anywhere between, you know, officially on a Model 3 uh, short range plus, ask, yeah. 380, I think it is. Actually, so, I think it's called the standard range plus. Okay. <laughs> but you're standard right, range, it's the short, short range. Range plus. plus whatever it's true anyhow um don't hold us to these exact numbers but anywhere between uh 380 kilometers and i think close to or slightly over 600 kilometers on a model s uh, long which is range. the longest range tesla that they make yeah and you owned that 
I had uh, P85D back in the day, though. You were only going to get uh, low 400 kilometers of range. But the most... Th- What's the... Okay, but your, your new Model X is coming soon. It's, it's rated, if you look on in the website, 528. And that's the longest they have so far. Yes, but so. that's... My last Model X was only about 440 at 100% state right. of charge. But let's make sure we qualify. And I say this or quantify. I say this to people right up front, but it all depends on how you drive. Yes. And it all depends on the outside temperature. Mm-hmm. And I like to make sure that we talk about that... You know, the things I'm going to tell you, frankly, are very similar on a gasoline car, but gasoline cars have bigger gas tanks and they have longer range, so people don't really think about it. Right. So as you well know, the last number of months, you can get up to, depending on the temperature, 50% less range in your car. Hardcore. So you've got to watch your all your meters and whatnot, and the faster you drive, if you're going to do a buck and a quarter or a buck 40 on the 407 or the 401 on a really cold day, you're not going to get the range. Yeah. But there's screens you can use to make sure you're paying attention properly. Here's my experience. Yep. I started in October. We had a really great late summer. It was, it was warm all the way up to like end of November. Like we had a great winter. So far, we still haven't had a great winter. So I did get that range anxiety. I knew that I was getting the standard range plus. He warned me. And everybody says this. If you ask everybody who owns a Tesla, just get the, get the upgraded model. I just couldn't afford it. I couldn't, I couldn't justify it. But <clears> here's <throat> what happened. So I get home. And my work has free chargers that are not working yet. And they haven't been working since I started. And I've been like pressuring them to get it working. Yeah, so lovely. I drive an hour and a half, which is about 88 kilometers in the morning to work. Okay. So, um, when I started, I, did, I left and I left my battery meter on kilometers, not percentage. And I've, I've quickly, I've, I've since changed. Obviously I think everybody should go to the, the percentage mode. It's way easier on your nerves, but I was finding when I got to work, I had about 75%, which is crazy or 70% on a really, on a best day. So I was using about 20% to get 88 kilometers. Now, a minus 16 day with the coldest day we've had so far since I've had the Tesla, I got to work with 52%. So you're looking at 30% less range and it's just something you you get used to. But the beautiful thing about this car is that, especially when my my charger is working at work and at home, I get into my car every day, it's full. Right. I leave work, the same it's thing. full. I say to an ice car driver, you know, internal combustion engine driver, is your car full of gas every morning when you go to work? And it's yeah. not. But, you know, the key is too, there's all these little things that we make sure. You, so whether you're talking to a new owner, and unfortunately, the way some of the Tesla deliveries have been going, people may not be getting enough time spent with them on how the car operates. So yeah. sometimes we have to educate new owners. And you see some of these questions on the forums and on Facebook. Preheat the car before you leave, whether yeah. it's in the summer to cool it down, but most importantly, in the winter. It's plugged in uh, at home. Get that battery you use warm. the so-called shore power. But why, you, why is a warm battery better? Because actually the batteries opt, are optimized at room temperature if you will right. so on a really hot day it circulates coolant and brings the temperature down on a really cold day actually it's different on an s and a, uh, x versus a three the three uses the motors to help heat the battery but the s and the x have actual coolant lines that go through the batteries and i'm not going to profess to be an expert yeah. in that but you know go to your phone app it's, we were one of the first manufacturers with a really robust phone app and it gets better and better and better start the car up Turn the climate on. It'll automatically warm the battery up because the climate's on. Mm-hmm. You can even, if you want, precondition the car through your on your screen and have it start charging at a certain time of day and be ready. That's not totally perfect yet, but yeah. it's getting there. But so you can use off-peak power. You never yeah, have to absolutely. use off-peak power. And then when you leave, you won't have those, which is a whole other topic. We could be on this forever, but you won't mm-hmm. have all the dots on your screen with very little regen. Yeah. So when the car is really cold, you're not going to get full regen braking, which is uh, where it puts power back into the battery from when you de- decelerate. Yeah. You know, and also depends on how fast you drive and and and, uh, and how, how you drive. And so the other thing to remember, most people don't pay attention to this, but let's say you jump in your car and it's a weekend. 
Yep. And you go five kilometers over to Canadian Tire. Then you go another 10 kilometers to Tim's. And then you go 10 kilometers to Costco. That's just like a gas car. That's really hard in the car. It doesn't yep. ever warm up. So right. you're going to use more power in those little short drives. But then if you jumped in the car and went for an hour drive down to Niagara, it'll eventually start to uh, level out. And you don't really want to even pay attention, even though you're right, the percentage meter is the best one to use rather than kilometers. Use the, you know, on their little um, tray along the bottom, you can push the, and, and to see some of the extra features of the car, mm-hmm. and you go to the energy meter. Yep. And you can pick 10, 25, 50 kilometers, and it'll show you your, your average usage per, uh, based on that, those kilometers. And I always have mine on 50. And that's going to give you a much more accurate because it's actually tracking what you're doing. The temperature outside, how if much you you're using. you spike that speed, it'll show you yep. that you spiked it. You're going up a big Absolutely. hill. Absolutely. You'll, you'll, you'll see the regen and whatnot. So that's the thing to use. Maybe instead of answering all the questions we get, maybe just every podcast we're going to answer a standard question. Yep. Because this is, we can continue on with the battery thing. I really enjoy this because, like, again, you're right. When I picked up my Tesla, I already knew most about it, but I got a one minute, here's your car, bye. And I, it's probably because he's new well, that I knew my and stuff. the time of year. You might have had a little bit less uh, range and, and not much regen in October, possibly. But um, the people that got their car, lots of people got their car in, you know, spring right through the summer and it's got full regen and full range uh, most of the time but first time they get in the winter and they go oh my god what's going on another thing which we don't have time to get into today but is the state of your charge and how how cold your car is to supercharge it yeah i get people complaining a lot i pull into the supercharger i got hardly any charge and it won't charge it's because they probably just drove from home for three kilometers and the battery's really really dead cold and it's going to take a while to warm up the car before the battery can take the charge correctly pro tip just put, if you put your map on and you select the supercharger as, the, as your destination, it preconditions your and battery. And that's fairly new with Tesla just the yeah. last six months or so. Oh, okay, cool. And a lot so, of people don't even know that. So always, even if you know where the supercharger is, put it in, go, put it in, and then the car knows it's going to a supercharger and it preconditions so it gets ready, whether it's cooling it or warming it, getting it ready to accept the maximum charge. One of the other questions a lot of times is how much can you actually save, right? right. How much can you save? I actually talked to my wife. It's been about four, October, November, December, January, January, four months I've had my Tesla. And I asked my wife, how, how is our hydro bill? She's not seen a difference at all. And maybe part of that is because I'm more conscious and all the lights are getting turned off. The fans are getting turned off. My kids used to, my ki- okay, when I leave in the morning, dude, <laughs> every light in my house is on. It's like, I can hear the electricity burning a hole in my wallet. So I've taken, I don't know if it just made me a little more conscious well, of it, yeah, but our, you, ours has not changed at all. Be, and I yeah. charge it. It's always, if it's at home, it's plugged in, in yeah. the garage, at so 10 you degrees, don't go always. on the um, metering at night to save money? Don't do I, it. I don't either. I should. I don't. I, I, I will tell you, some people have got exact scientific information on what their car costs because they put a special adapter at home on their meter or whatever. Mm-hmm. But my un- unscientific uh, test was when I first got my car, I looked at my hydro bill a year prior into my hydro bill the first month I owned my car and it was maybe 50 or 70 bucks more for two months. Yeah. So it's really not a lot. You will do more in the winter because you're preconditioning your car. The car will turn on periodically and keep the batteries at a slight state of warmth. But, you know, if you're spending 250, 350, let's be frank, there's pickup truck drivers and V8 (laughs) car drivers that are spending five and 600 bucks a month on gas. Oh, easily. If you can spend, you know, 250, 350, 400, $500 a month in gasoline, and you're only spending fifty to hundred dollars per month in, in electricity for home, and some people, depending on which Tesla you have, you may have some supercharging uh, costs. But I've got some people that have kept really good track, and people that have compared to their previous vehicle uh, for a year of driving a gas car, and it's substantially less. So even though you may be stepping up and paying more in a monthly payment, your let's face it, most people it's all about monthly payment. Yeah. And you, if you're going to save 
less in your, because you're not going to spend the money on energy and mm-hmm. on gas. Many times it's almost a break even. And then you take into the fact of, or less, you're, you're not have uh, very little maintenance mm-hmm. and, rep- and very little repairs. And overall, it can be to your advantage. Well, here, I'll, I'll, give you an, I'll give you an example. So before I bought my Tesla, I was at the same position at, in Oakville. Where, we, where, I, where I work. And so I was driving my, I have a Ford C-Max hybrid and I love that car too. I loved it. I was my first foray into like EVs sort of, right? It wasn't a plug-in hybrid, just a normal hybrid. And it gets about 6.5 per 100 liters uh, of its life. And it's been, I've, drive, I've been driving it for five, six years. And so I was driving to work at two Oakville and back and spending over $250 a month in gas. Okay. And I'm not a heavy footer, about 120 in the highway, which could to be, some people could be a little heavy. Yeah. Um, and the car is, again, gets 6.5 per 100. So $250 a month, I offset that now. I don't pay that fuel cost at all. I also right. don't pay the upkeep on the, the, the $60, dollars oil changes I get every 5,000 right. kilometers. Yep. Um, I did some dirty math, and the yearly savings for me was upwards of $3,700, which yep. if you look overall, it's not. Obviously, my payments are way over that. But here's the thing. I also get a beautiful car that's amazingly yep. incredible at everything. The tech is just... It's and new updates all the time. The lowest model is yep. teched out yep. over the air updates. There's just things new you can't... New features, you don't even expect them. Exactly. Yep. And it's like, it's built into that thing. And if I want to unlock them, I can pay for that stuff. But again, I, I am the poor man's Tesla owner. <laughs> not, and I'm happy to be so. And because I'm very content. But as I get... As you know, as I get older and start making a little bit more money, I will probably get the more luxurious vehicles when they come out, like the Cybertruck or the Model X or um, Model Y or the Model Y when yeah. it comes out. I will, and I will never not buy a Tesla now. Anytime I need a new vehicle, at this point, I have a stupid caravan. I hate that thing along my heart. My kids love it because it has DVD players in it, and it's got a heated steering wheel. It's got all the bells and whistles. Because I have four kids, when we travel, I have it's, we yeah. have to be comfortable, yeah. and I can't afford a Tesla Model X because they're what one hundred twenty thousand, one hundred thirty thousand. And so um, that's next, though, right? So my, 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 as soon as you step into a Tesla, you're not driving anything else. I'm sorry. Absolutely. That's and that's what we always say. If you're a skeptic in any way, shape, or form, just stop just talking. <laughs> Let's go for a ride. Yeah. R- drive it. Drive in it. Sit in it. Whatever. And most people are just blown away. Yeah. Listen, while we're talking about affordability, and I'm going to bring this up because you asked me to. Yeah. Let's talk about ways to pay for your car. So if you, if you take anything from this segment... And I actually, I just kind of got a light bulb and aha moment myself is preconditioning your car before you leave home. Absolutely. And make sure that if you're going to set Tesla supercharger that you put it into the navigation because your, your, your car will precondition itself before you get there and you'll have a lot of charging. I do that in uh, Cambridge. I got 719 kilometers per hour charging over yep. there. It was and amazing. the V3s so. are way over a thousand, some of them. The other thing, which is just to touch on what we're sort of on charging, plug your car in every time you can. Always plug People it in. People say, oh, should I plug my car in and should I charge it to 80, 90%? Why wouldn't you? If you let your car for some reason go down to 50 or 40 or 30% because you don't drive hardly at all, and then you charge it back up to 90, it's not going to cost you any different than if you plug it in every night and charge it up just 20%, whatever you need. And I learned this because... It's a safety factor. You don't know when you go home. All of a sudden, the last minute, your wife says, we got a call. Our, our buddies want us to go see them out in Pickering. Yep. And you left your car at 40%. You go, oh my God, what am I going to do now? It doesn't hurt. Just plug it in, get in the habit. And I got to tell you, I've pl- probably plugged my car in 99.9% of the time. And the only time I forget is when I get out of the car and I've got stuff in the trunk or whatever, and I go to get that out. And then I forget to go back out and plug yeah. the car in. Because yeah. other than that, it's been a habit. And when you walk out in the morning, you go, why have I only got 50%? What happened? So, so just plug it in every night and 90% sort of is the optimum is what I find. First tip, pro tip is <laughs> A, BP. Always be plugging. Yep. Yep.
But yeah, well, we got talking and when we were talking about this podcast sort of overall, uh, I don't know how it came up, but you were talking about how you bought the poor man's Tesla. And I, you don't need to dwell on that, by the way, buddy. There's lots of people driving those. I actually kind of think it's like my thing. You know, I asked you how you paid for it. You said, oh, I financed it. You know, sometimes it's a bit of a touchy subject, but let's, how, how can you pay for your car? You right. can truly finance it through Tesla or your bank. You can pay cash out of your own bank account or investments. You can pay cash, which people say is cash, but it's not really us on their line of credit, or you can lease it. And you told me you finance it, and I guessed over eight years, right, Josh? Yeah, it was eight years. Okay. Eight friggin' years, or maybe it was seven. I don't know, whatever it is. I think you said it was eight. Yep. And that's, I would suggest that seven to eight years is the average finance term for most Tesla's on the road who aren't paying real cash. Mm-hmm. And that concerns me. I, and just as a sort of transparent comment, I'm actually in the auto industry and I work primarily with ice dealers. I'm not afraid to that's say that. That's funny that you were, that's crazy because yeah. you're, you're an EV guy, but you were specifically well, ice dealers. Well, because frankly, they, that's been my, my whole career. And that's so their we're, model. They can't get away from And, and that's yeah. it. We work with them on different types of things and we'll go into that down the road. But more and more of them are going to be selling EV vehicles and we can probably work with them on that. But um, long-term financing is the bane of the car industry. People take a short, uh, so they want the lowest payment and they take a long term so they can get that low payment. And a lot of them think, well, this is going to be my last car. It's a Tesla. It's awesome. And maybe more people will keep their Teslas longer than they've kept their gasoline car. But here's what happens. And I know this has happened to many of you out there. You take the car, no matter what it is, down the road a couple of years later, you get married. You have kids. Your wife has twins. You thought you weren't going to have one baby. <laughs> you you get a new job. You get transferred. You get bored with the car. Yeah. It, new tech comes out on the, on, the, on the Tesla and you want a new one. Yeah. And the problem is, it's what we call being upside down or a negative equity. The longer you finance your car and when you try to get out of it early, usually you end up owing more to the bank mm-hmm. or to Tesla, whoever it is, or to yourself if it's on your line of credit than what it's worth. And then you can't get out of it. Yeah. So I'm a big believer in leasing. And I'm not which, here. I, which to be honest with you, I was like, you were skeptical about I, because I, I did it before. I got burned. So many people have been burned. Right. I've, I, and since our conversation, they've actually researched it, and there's right. still people who are like, do They're, not lease a Tesla. But here's here's the reason why people say that. There's there's two answers, whether it's a Tesla or not. Number one, they either have been brought up that way, don't lease because you don't own. Yeah. Uh, and what did I say to you? Well, you miss a couple of payments, you're probably not pretty pretty quick who owns your car if you finance it, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. It's, it's, this, it's this stigma that oh, I'm leasing it so I don't own it. Well, yep. finance it, you don't really own it either. And it's also they're concerned about too many conditions. Well, I, they restrict how many kilometers I can drive and yeah. I can't bring it back all damaged. Well, our, my answer used to be, and frankly, if you haven't guessed it, I used to be a lease trainer and consultant and whatnot in the auto industry, is if you bring your car, if you go to trade your car in, and it's all banged up and scratched and burn holes in the seat. You're going to get less of trade time. It's just a way for the leasing company to put some guidance of what's acceptable to bring the car back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you can I, you negotiate those things? Sometimes you can a little bit, okay. but it depends if the manufacturer, sorry, if the dealer is going to keep the car themselves or if they're going to send it back to the manufacturer. You know, we could talk about this ad nauseum and I yeah. don't want to bore you with it. But also, um, you've got to look at things like, uh, People are concerned about kilometers. Oh, well, you know, I, I drive too many kilometers and there's all these kilometer restrictions and there's different types of leases, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But if you and I, let's say we both took the exact same car and the exact same time and you do 15,000 kilometers a year and I do 30,000 kilometers a year and we're both paying the same monthly payment on a seven or eight year loan, right? Mm-hmm. And then when we go to trade our cars, no matter when it is, 
you're going to have half the kilometers on it than I am, right? Yes. But you're going to get way more at trade time than I will. So the higher kilometers I put on my car, it has cost me at the trade time because mm-hmm. the price minus the resale value is the true cost of a vehicle typically. Yeah. So people get all hung up on, well, I had a kilometer restriction. Well, all it is is a guideline again for the dealer or the manufacturer to say, what should we base the value of this car at the end of the term mm-hmm. on how much driving you're going to do? So that's the thing. Now, the other thing about leasing is most people lease, frankly, for a lower payment. In most cases, there is a lower payment. Depends what term you take. And I said to you, and I actually did some math, you're going to be shocked okay. in a minute, that you could probably get a four-year lease very close to what you would have paid for an eight-year finance. And I've proven that to myself over and over again. Like, I can't remember the last time I financed a car. But how I, many kilometers do you get with that lease? Well, <laughs> it's a little bit complicated, and I hope we're not going to lose too many people here. <laughs> but this is the question. This yes. is this is how you would sway somebody. This is the one <clears> thing <throat> they're going to ask. Yeah. So yeah, right. I get well, a new he, car after he, four he, years, he, but how many kilometers? Here's what it boils down to. Okay. Tesla, through Tesla, you can lease an X or an, X, an S. Mm-hmm. You cannot lease a three yet. I don't know why, but I found a way to lease threes. So some of you may know that uh, I leased a three for a while. And many people were referred to me who I referred to my leasing company to lease a three. The only so-called downside is they were what's called a finance lease. So you were, you were responsible for the resale value. Frankly, the same you would be as if you'd finance it. So most leases, a Tesla lease, Audi, GM, Ford, whoever, you drive the vehicle, you take a term, 48 months, let's say, you get 25,000 kilometers per year. You've got to bring it back in what's considered normal condition for a four-year-old car. And as long as you're not over that 96,000 or 100,000 kilometers, you can just drop it off at the end and you walk away. But you do have written in an optional buyback if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing that's good about that type of lease is, let's say you had a, a situation, you know, heaven forbid, and you smacked your car up and there's $20,000 worth of damage. If you've finance your car regularly, and then you go to trade it in, you have to reveal that damage. Yes. And you're going to get less of trade time. On a lease, as long as it's been repaired correctly by a reputable body shop, mm-hmm. you can just turn the vehicle in and it's, uh, it's Tesla a- or the manufacturer's problem. Okay. So that's another advantage. That's cool. The problem with the Model 3 is you can't lease it through Tesla. So the leasing companies that will lease, it's called a finance lease, as mm-hmm. I said. So there's no kilometer restriction. That's one benefit. But you're responsible for the value at the end of the term. So if you take a $60,000 Model 3 that has a residual, I'm just making this yep. up, that's $30,000 after four years, and, it, and you go to take it back in, and they only can get twenty five dollars for it, in theory, you're on the hook for that 5000 difference. Yep. But it'd be the same if you were on a eight-year loan, and you went in after four years and tried to get out of it, there's a good chance you'd be on the hook for some negative equity. Or more. The advantage of the lease, though, even if it's this open-end or finance lease, is shorter term most cases, because lots of things change in people's lives, like I illustrated. Uh, you stay under warranty longer. You might be out of warranty for a little bit, but you're not going to be out of warranty for four or five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, minimal repairs and maintenance, regardless of the, the maker manufacturer. We know Tesla's not very many. And the other thing that I, I remind myself of is your down payment goes a lot further. So okay. listen to this scenario. This happens, and I used to see this in my training world. People would trade their car in. I'm going to go buy a thirty dollars or $40,000 vehicle, and I got a car that's worth ten grand, and I'm going to trade it in. So I'm going to get ten grand off my forty, let's say, so I'm going to finance thirty, And... Quite often, they start asking for a payment with no down or no trade, and there's their monthly payment. They go, oh, I can't afford four-year or five-year or six-year. Yeah. Better give me a seven- or eight-year payment. Yep. And frankly, the manufacturer, the dealer, f- feeds that to the customers because they're afraid. They, they want to give well, a low want payment. Too. Doesn't they make more money off a longer term? No, the, no, they don't. They don't? No, because what happens is the manufacturer's retail arm or finance arm is the one that actually leases it or finances it. The dealer can make a little bit of money okay. through finance, but not on a lease program. So basically what it boils down to is if you had a $10,000 trade 
and you put it on a four-year lease, you're going to get a way lower monthly payment than if you put that $10,000 $10, trade towards a seven or eight-year finance. Four-year yes. lease or four-year finance regardless, but people yeah. couldn't afford the finance payment. It's just mathematics. $5,000, $1,000, $10,000, whatever your down payment is, it goes further to reduce your monthly payment on a shorter term than it does in a longer term. Okay, explain it like I'm five. Let's see if I got this right. So I'm, I'm going to go to a private leasing firm. Yep. And I want to get a model, a model Y when it comes out. Let's yep. say that, right? It's yep. a seven, sixty-five thousand dollar yep. car, and I could go to Tesla right now, order it, and it's going to be seven hundred fifty-five dollars a month. Okay, to Three finance years. it, yeah, eight for years. eight years, exactly. Yes. Okay, if I go to a private place, yeah, like this guy you're talking about, yeah, and I, I get it four years. What would and you say you can get around to around the same price well, for four years? Here's an example, and I had some numbers. Okay, you good. may not know. Show this. me the numbers. So I did Model Three. SR plus, whatever we call that, short range, or what did you call it? Standard range Standard plus. range, whatever. Um, with no autopilot, but metallic paint, et cetera. Yep. And we put it on a eight-year loan at 4%. Tested might be a bit more. Your bank might be a bit less, but just for sake of talking, mm-hmm. roughly 800 bucks a month. Yep. If you put that on a, uh, sorry, a 48-month lease, mm-hmm. it's 885. So it's 85 bucks more. 85 more. But- and that, been sorry, that's with 2,500 bucks down. So adjust yeah. your down a little bit, put another thousand bucks down, it'd probably be at less. Okay. If you did a seven year term, you'd be 895 a month. Mm-hmm. So almost the same. And if you did a six year term, it's 1,024. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you take four years for 885 and uh, you get so, a more, more comfortable Okay, so this payment. makes sense to me. But then in the end, how many kilometers do you get through? You said through a private guy, you don't have to have a kilometer restriction. Well, they, for they, me, that's most it. cases, they won't give it to you. They won't, they won't put a kilometer restriction on because you're going to guarantee the value. So this case, again, depends on the leasing company and how much driving. And I used to work for a leasing company. So I would say to you, Josh, how much driving do you do a day per week, per year? Mm-hmm. And I should base my buyback or what they call the residual based on how you're going to use my, my, the vehicle, your yes, vehicle, yes, yes. to be responsible and set the value on that. This, this case, I did use 30000 That might be a little bit high. But if, if at the end of the term, it's worth 30000 and you want to drop it off, you walk away. But if it's worth more, if it's a responsible leasing company, they'll give you that profit towards your next car. And then the beautiful it, thing about leasing too is that after four years, you're just getting into another. You can continue right. that payment so on the next So it's the joy vehicle. of new. But let's, be clear, let's clarify, and I know this is confusing, a closed-end lease, most manufacturer leases, S and X, you could walk away if it wasn't worth the value at the end. It's not Tessa's, or, or sorry, not your responsibility as long as you're over kilometers. Explain that like I'm five. Most leases through a manufacturer, including Tesla, they put a kilometer limit per year on it. And at the end of the term, you cannot be over those kilometers if you intend to drop the car off. Right. If you're going to buy it out, they don't care what condition it's in or how many kilometers on it. If you want to drop the car back to Tesla, if there's any abnormal damage, you have to pay for that. And if you're over the kilometers, so if you were allowed 100 and you did 130, then you're going to have to pay, I don't know what it is, it might be 15 cents a kilometer. Yeah. it's not really a penalty because if you financed your car and you brought it back, you'd get less for your trade than someone who did my illustration I gave to you earlier with normal kilometers. It's just the lease. They're going to pay that at the end on a model three only for now, because no Tesla's not leasing them. You'd have to do a lease through an independent leasing company and they will not put a kilometer restriction on it. They'll just put this dollar amount. Let's say it's $30,000. Yeah. And at the end of the term, they will appraise it and you'll have to see how you stand. If you want to buy it out, fine for 30. If you want to give it back to them, it's only worth 27. Technically, you're on the hook for three. If it's worth more, if they're an upfront leasing company, they'll give you that 3,000, especially if you get a new vehicle. I don't want to sound like a know-it-all. Yeah. 
but I've been leasing all my life. I've actually leased to people when I worked for leasing companies. I've been a leasing training consultant. I don't believe you should ever uh, pay cash for a car. It's a horrible investment. If you've got true cash, I'm not a tax guy, but maximize your 2FSA or your RSP or pay down your mortgage. If you uh, don't have cash, you're, in my mind, you're far better off leasing in most cases than if you finance it. Because especially in a Tessa, you're going to have to take a ridiculously long term to be able to afford the monthly payment. And believe me, a lot of you that are already doing that right now are going to want to trade the car in down the road. A lot of you who are driving threes are going to go, geez, I love that new Y. I want to get out of it. And you're going to blow your brains out because you're going to owe way more money than you're what you're leasing. But if you're on a four-year lease, the most you had was at the end of the four-year lease. I don't want to sit here and say to you that leasing is cheaper than buying. I did some math, and if you bought this Model 3 that I did out after the end of four years and pay tax on the, on the buyout and whatnot, it was very similar to owning the car and paying it out over seven or eight years. Yep. It might be a little bit more, but it's a matter of cash flow in your pocket, so you've got a, a lower payment maybe than if, if you'd finance it for a longer term or a similar term. Yep. And the other thing you can do when you lease many cases is you can get more car for the money. So if you had a budget in mind... Uh, and it's on a certain term. If you go lease for the same type of payment, you can maybe maybe get a, a, a nicer vehicle. Would you agree with the statement that most people who are wealthy don't buy cars with cash because a car always, for the most part, is a depreciating asset? Well, th that's what I've said to you. And I've, uh, I've rarely seen a case where somebody has a real reason why they, they shouldn't lease. One time I had somebody to say, we lease our, sorry, we buy our trucks for cash because my company has so much money. At the end of the year, my accountant says, you got to get rid of some cash or you're going to pay too much tax. So they go and buy a bunch I of trucks for, for 20, 30, 40, 50 grand. I really can't counteract that. But regardless, yes, people that know a lot about money will say, you know, unless you're a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. And even then, there's other things you can do with your money, whether it's a stock market, whether it's a TFSA, whether it's a, uh, paying down your mortgage, whether it's your RSP, lots of people don't take advantage of that, but they're paying cash for a car. I knew we threw a lot of information out there. I know I talk pretty fast, but Josh, I don't talk as fast as you. <laughs> um, and so some of you may be a bit confused. So again, we'll put some information on, um, you know, wherever we're going to post this, or I'll tell you at yep. the end how you can email me, ask me some questions. Yep. And if you don't want to lease and you want to finance your car, or you still convinced you want to use your line of credit, fine. Just get a Tesla and we're going to help you on that journey. Yeah. And to add to that is just get other opinions. Don't always yep. think what you think you know is right because you might be wrong. Even if you go to some people, go to multiple people. That's the beauty of, that's the beauty of shopping around. Here's, here's philosophy I take in my business life and personal life and everything. And I don't know whether you're too old for this or not, but do you remember Arsenio Hall used to have a show? Yep. And he had a segment at the start where he went, things that make you go, hmm. hmm. And that's what you want. If you're skeptical about EVs, we want people to go, hmm, after we give them reasons why. If you're skeptical about Tesla, if you're skeptical about leasing, if you're skeptical about uh, climate change or being a vegan or whatever the heck it is, hmm. Let's let me plug the club a little bit again. Yeah. Tell me um, about this club. We, uh, as I said, have just shy of 600 members and we had, we we're starting to have some pretty cool things that we're doing. So we get together every month. We have guest speakers. Uh, I won't get into it heavily in detail here because we'll elaborate as time goes on. I don't want to give you guys watching, listening sort of an advance over our members, but we are going to have some people from Tesla coming out to speak to us in the next couple months. Uh, we just did an event where we, uh, which people? Which people? Yeah. I can't can tell you. You can't say? I can't. I'm not going to be right like, now. It's not going to be Debbie from it's like It's not going to be freaking okay. Elon. 
but it's not going to be Debbie from accountant. Believe okay. me, trust me. That's, you know, I'm in the car business. Uh, you will want to listen to the people that are going to come out and talk to us. When is that? Probably March. March. That has to be hundred percent finalized, but we're very close. But keep your eye on the Facebook and, the and emails uh, from if the club. you're a member, getting the emails, et cetera. Can people who are not part of the club come to these events? Yes and no. So you can come to one of our meetings if you come as a guest of a member, uh, and but normally our social functions like the movie event that I mentioned and some of the other things we open up and let other people be aware of it, uh, whether you're EV driver, Tesla uh, enthusiast, or other people that might want to take advantage of it. One of the things we did recently was we did a screening of the movie Racing Extinction. Mm -hmm. And uh, we heard about that movie um, when I was at a summit for worldwide Tesla owners down in uh, California back in the fall. Mm -hmm. I'd heard a little bit about it before. And uh, we were addressed down there, and I'd met this person before as well, by a gal by the name of Leilani Munter. Mm -hmm. And she's a vegan, uh, ex-race car driver, uh, activist, uh, you know, very heavily into ecology and whatnot, and she was involved in this movie. And it's all about how mankind is causing extinction to, to many, many species out there. And there's obviously a sort of a, a theme running through it about um, consumption, you know, of meat and animals and climate change anyhow let's get her on the podcast i can't promise that but we'll see she does lots of stuff like that and she'll she maybe she may be uh, talked out but anyhow i don't even know her she'll do it so we had over 200 people come out to this movie it was totally legit we cool. did it at a cineplex people come out on a saturday morning we screened the movie uh, i think it was very very impactful and uh, uh leilani was there for a q and a an intro mm -hmm. and then a q and a uh which which uh, kudos to us very for, cool. for getting her um coming up as i said we're gonna have some great talks uh, we're hoping, again, no promises because we're having a meeting on the weekend to sort of do some planning going forward, but to do an Earth Day event, uh, perhaps in conjunction with some other EV uh, groups and whatnot around yeah. the GTA. And um, we have done, last year in the fall, we did a drive-in event. We had over 100 Teslas at a local drive-in. That was pretty cool. That's really Imagine cool. Imagine the drone shots of that. That'd be awesome. And uh, especially on a Model X, nothing better than watching a uh, drive-in through your big screen on the Model X and listening to the sound system. We've done uh, winery events in the past, and we're hoping to do one of those again, yeah. and uh, that, that type of thing. So uh, those are some cool things we're going to do on the social function side, and we do have these meetings uh, every month. What's coming up at this EV uh, center coming up soon? The uh, next meeting is, uh, we used to get together at Dave & Buster's, and uh, we parted ways with them. And our next meeting, certainly for February anyhow, is going to be in conjunction with Plug and Drive at the EV Discovery Center, which is uh, in North York, sort of near near um, Yorkdale area. That's cool. And uh, the guest, it's going to be held there, and the guest speaker is going to be Kara Clareman, who is the founder and the CEO of uh, Plug and Drive. And that facility is pretty cool. They have most, probably not all yet, but most EVs available for people to look at and test drive, not affiliated with the manufacturers. So they allow the vehicles to be there, but you can get unbiased opinion, go cool. for test drives, and uh, we're going to be probably working. Well, if I make it out, more. let's podcast from there. Well, ideally, let's, I'll walk let's around and interview some people. Absolutely. So, okay, getting into um, the next, there's a couple things we want to do on every podcast, yep. I think for sure. Tip of the week. I found this out this week. I posted on Facebook. I made a little video of it. This is cool. If you didn't know this, if you, if you use pin to drive, which I think you should, yeah. I know that you can't really steal it, but maybe they can. Pin to drive is just a safer way to drive. Put your pin in and drive. No one, if you don't have your pin, you can't drive. I think it's an awesome feature. I love it. One of my buddies owns Tesla. I was like, why do you use pin to drive? Like he was judging me. I'm like, cause I don't want someone to steal my stuff. <laughs> and I was thinking the other day, I'm like, why is this pin over on this side? And then the next day, and I thought, here's you're, ta you're talking about the box where you put yeah. your code and it moves yeah, around. It moves all around the, time. the screen yeah. because if you're eating Cheetos or something and you get grease on your fingers or it doesn't, you can't, 
that's these are just the time. This is why I right. love Elon and his design okay, team. Get back on track there, ADP oh, boy. So basically, <laughs> what it boils down to is what Josh is saying. If you keep on putting your four pins in and it stayed in the exact same spot, your fingerprint would be almost yep. burning to the screen, yep. and some guy that got into your car could see the pin. So it moves around all the time. Yep. Each time you go in, it's in a different spot. Is that succinct? That's exactly what it, that's exactly what I wanted to say. <laughs> only with education. So that's the, the reason I said is the, the tip. It's not really a tip. It's just a feature that's really cool. The tip of the week is, is when you're in full self-drive or in autopilot, it's, you know when it tells you to tweak the wheel every 15 seconds or whatever it is now? So it's weird because it's, it's not at a, it's not, it's random it, intervals. It's around 45 seconds yeah. on the highway anyhow. Mine it's a bit less in earlier. Stop and go. Yeah. So, so it's different depending well, it, on how it knows busy you're it is. a noob. That's yeah, why. it's true. Right. Instead of just tweaking the wheel, just turn your volume up down one dot yep. and it turns it off. That's my tip of the week. Anything on the wheel. So Anything. if you turn the right-hand button on a Model 3 that changes the speed up and down or the sideways changes the distance, exactly, the steering wheel gets a, an input. Yep. If you turn the, the volume up and down. Yep. And I think if you touch any turn signal stock, so if you were to change lanes or something like that, absolutely yeah. so that's the tesla tip of the week it's just one of those simple ones i love that little and i mean feature. you may be saying to yourselves out there god everybody knows that well yeah. i think you're going to be surprised there's a lot of new people who've taken teslas over the last couple yeah. months or six months or year that don't know that i'm going to give you a totally random one doesn't apply in a yep. model three but a model s and a model x have what's called range mode and especially on an x actually range mode is you know people think i, I keep my car in range mode all the time because i'm going to get way more range it really doesn't all it does is reduce the capacity of the heater or the air conditioner and uh things like it turns off the ability to control the rear air conditioning in a model x i've heard so, people complain that it wasn't working because they had range mode on and they didn't right, realize exactly it. this person said to me john i can't there's something wrong i can't get the rear air conditioning to work well it's because they had range mode on. didn't even know it mm -hmm. so there's lots of things and again what we're hoping to do is help people with that and that's something that the club can do we're available uh you know on facebook coming yeah. out to meetings uh, emailing me directly and uh, we can try to help you with any of these questions yeah and i'm going to do videos on all this even if they're all out there i'm going to make it for our own people also don't be an ev hole i'll always say this to people if you're going to a place to charge charge we're getting too many tesla owners out well, there sitting and, in these spots because you know they think they're allowed to sit exactly. there don't be an ev hole I, I don't want to uh trivialize that because it's all over the place whether it's a, an ice vehicle parked in an ev spot whether it's an electric vehicle or hybrid parked in an ev spot not plug, uh, plugged in absolutely a concern um but a lot of it's education we know sometimes people are doing it on purpose just to yep. be dicks yep um but yeah there, there's lots of things that uh, we need to be aware of for for etiquette there's etiquette if you're yeah. an ev owner and you don't know that's you're right so maybe if they don't know this just because you're an ev owner doesn't mean you're allowed to park there unless you're charging go ahead and charge what's interesting is just i go it. to leaf games fairly often and when i go down to this parking garage there's a whole bunch of park uh, chargers down there in the parking garage yeah and my family always says dad Park right there. It's right near the elevator. I don't need a charge. Yeah. Like I have to drive through their head just because there's no one there right yeah. now and it's marked green. You don't know some poor guy's driving from, uh, you know, some far distance away and he pulls in with 10% state of charge and you're plugged in. So even though we beat it to death, it is a concern. And yeah. another is thing is what really shocks me, and here's another plug for the club, but is that a-holes that throw garbage on the ground at a supercharger or even at any charging spot. And there's no excuse for that. We're, but we're trying to help that with, I don't know mm -hmm. if you're aware of this, I think you might be Josh. We were the first club, I believe, to put a garbage bin in at a supercharger. So we put a Tesla Red with a little logo on it in at the Grimsby supercharger. Oh, cool. And uh, we've got some good publicity behind that. And frankly, it's helped the club create awareness. 
but we didn't do it for the publicity. We did do it. We did it to give back to the community, mm-hmm. uh, and we're hoping to do more of that this year. So we're talking to the Tesla supercharging team, trying to identify superchargers that don't have trash bins. And we have in our budget, you know, the people complain sometimes. What do I pay my dues for, or what do you do with the sponsor money? Well. We had to rent this movie theater when we did the event. We have to had to rent a tent in Washington when we did a winery event. Uh, we subvent the meetings uh, that you know for the meals that we have, and we if we're putting things like trash bins in, it costs money. Yeah. So um, that's a whole other topic. Why doesn't Tesla put tr- trash bins in? I think they didn't think of it. Empty from, them. Well, exactly, and they didn't think of it from day one. And now there's thousands of them, literally. So we have to get approval from it makes the landlord. Us look bad when you litter. Yep, and the landlord has to approve uh, the mm-hmm. the bin, and they have to agree to to uh, empty it. But that's so, another thing we're working on. Get into the etiquette. Start learning the etiquette. Like this, this, this type of car. You're in a, you're in this like you're in this like exclusive club almost. Even if you don't want to be, you are. You're part of your. Because we're, we're not rare, but we're close to rare, right? It's weird. I saw four or five Tesla. Every time, as soon as I got into a Tesla, everybody has a Tesla. Now. Well, that's what happens. You're much but, more aware. The last thing I want to stress, I don't know if you've got anything more to cover here, Josh, but I'm not here to plug my own my referral code. You might eventually, but this is not what I'm here to do. I'm not yeah. here to make money from this. I'm not here to uh, push my code or, or whatever. Um, I'm not here to you know get a, a kickback from products that we that we end up uh, endorsing. Josh May, he's in a, sort of a different uh, um, vein, if you will. But especially, I have a responsibility as a head of the owners mm-hmm. club that I have to be very arbitrary. Yeah, and uh, you're being very yeah, and you know John's being very very forthcoming with what he wants to. We talked about this even before we did this. Yeah, he's you know. To be honest, John lives has like really really expensive headphones over there. <laughs> he doesn't need it. I'm not saying I do need it, but I. I any I'm also old get, enough to be your dad, buddy. <laughs> exactly. Well, before we wrap up here, John, where can they find the Tesla Owners Club online? Well, we're on Facebook and Instagram as Tesla Owners Ontario, and on Twitter at Tesla Owners ONT. We'll be sending, of course, to the podcast by email to all our members. And our website is ontario.teslaownersclub.ca. This has been our inaugural pilot episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We uh, Again, we hope you didn't drag on, but I think there was some really great stuff here that I even learned, which is the beautiful thing about what we're doing here. I don't know everything. I know a little bit. I know the tech side very well because I do a lot of research, but you come from the tech and you come from a world of like of more wisdom than I. You are my elder and you got lots of wisdom to gain from this. So I'm, I'm okay, excited about this. Okay, son. We'll see you next time on the Tesla Owners Club Ontario podcast. Bye, everybody.